I'm Keith, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I get the uh, privilege of bringing you God's Word uh, this morning. How many of you remember your first love? Anybody? Yeah, I remember my first love. Her name was Stephanie, and I was in third grade, and I, I opened up this Cracker Jack box, and I found this really cool ring that had a little terrier dog head that spinned around on that ring, and I thought, I want to give her this ring. And so I did. I gave it to her one day. I said, would you be my girlfriend, and will you wear this ring? And so she said yes, which was great. But then about a week later, we were sitting in the cafeteria, and uh, she said, uh, well, Keith, I'm sorry. I, I need to give you this ring back. And I said, but why? And she said, well, school's almost out for the year, and, <laughs> and, and you know, I might meet somebody else over the, the summer. <laughs> and so I was like, Okay, <laughs> so I took the ring back. So that leads us to the, uh, the age-old question of how do you know if you're really in love? Or how do you know if someone loves you? And, uh, and then here's another question that kind of goes along with that. What's most important in your life? Is it work? Is it family? Is it your home? Is it your hobbies? Is it special places uh, that you get to visit? Is it, uh, is it some special person? in your life? What's really most important? How do you keep the first things the first things? How do you know that you're making what should be the main thing in your life really the main thing? We're going to combine those, those series of questions about love and about keeping the main thing this morning as we blend these two topics, and we're going to look at a conversation that Jesus had with uh, one of the scribes. Now, a scribe in in the Jewish times, was someone who was an expert in the law. And remember, the, the Jews only had 613 laws that they had to follow, and uh, 365 of those were prohibition. So isn't that fun? There's one thing a day that you can't do. And so they had 365 prohibitions. Then they had 248 commandments of things that they were supposed to do. So he was an expert in all those things. Some of those were heavier, some of them were lighter. But it's interesting because uh, Jesus had a great conversation with him. We're going to look at that in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. If you want to take out one of the Bibles uh, in the uh, seat in front of you, it's on page 848. Or you can just follow along as we read. Uh, they'll be on the screen. So if you would please, uh, to honor God's word, would you please stand with me as we read together God's word this morning. Mark chapter 12, starting with verse uh, 28. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, well, you're a right teacher. You, are, you have truly said that he is one. There is no others beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And at that point, no one dared to ask him any more questions. These are God's words for God's people. Please be seated. 
Well, it's interesting that Jesus starts out here when he gets this question about what's the most important commandment, he starts out by quoting what's called the great Shema. And that's the Hebrew word for to hear or listen or to obey. And that's what that passage is called as we look. Let's look in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6, where he quoted this from. And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today will be on your heart. And then he goes on and tells them you need to teach them to your families. And, and so this is the, the quotation that Jesus makes from the Old Testament. Interesting, though, he adds another word to it. We'll get to that a little bit later. But it's, uh, it's God saying, or Jesus saying, listen, God is one God. Yes, there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But it's still just one true God that we worship. So what is the most important or greatest commandment? What we're going to look at today is what does God exactly want from us? And how can we actually fulfill that and do it? Well, there, there are going to be two points to this message this morning. So it should be quick and easy, right? Just two points. Uh, one is, what's, uh, well, we are to love the Lord God with all that we are. And the second one is, we need to love others as we love ourselves. So love God with all that we are and love others, love others as we love ourselves. So let's look at point number one then. Love the Lord your God with, Lord your God with all that you are. It's interesting because four times he says, with all. With all, and then he lists the different parts of you that you're supposed to love God with all that we are. Our entire whole complete being is, should be completely loving him with all of this aspect of our lives. And he says with all the capabilities that God provides, we should be loving him. He really talks about out of and with all of our, first of all he says heart. Now the heart is the place where the affections, the passions, the emotions are centered. It's really the core of our identity. It's the real me. In fact, Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence or vigilance, for out of it flow the springs of life. So he says, love the Lord your God out of and with all of your heart, and love the Lord God out of and with all of your soul. That's the inanimate part of us, or the immaterial part of us that's alive. It's the spirit within that's the eternal part of us that lives on forever. And, and so he says, listen, you need to love the Lord your God out of and with all of your heart, with all of your soul. And then he adds a new word that wasn't in De the book of Deuteronomy. He says, love God with, out of and with all of your mind. That's the intellect, the thoughts, and, and the way that we think and reason. It's where the intentions and the purposes of our life come from, from our mind. So he says we need to love the Lord God with that as well. And then finally, the last part of that is we are to love the Lord God uh, out of and with all of our strength. That's the internal and the external power that we have in our lives. It really is our will and our energy. So that's what he's saying here. I thought it was an interesting quote here by Sinclair Ferguson. He says, God is never satisfied with anything less than the devotion of the whole life for the whole duration of our lives. That's really what God wants. That's what most satisfies him. Now let me pause, and, and throughout the message this morning, I'm going to be pausing a lot to ask a lot of questions, because I really want us to think about these things and to ponder them and ask ourselves, how am I living up to what God is saying here? 
how am I doing in this area? So, so we're going to be asking a lot of questions. Here's the first one. Do you love God wholeheartedly? Or do you love God with just part of your life? How much do you and I love God? Let's go on. We need to look at what is love. What is love? Because in our world, of course, you know, they say, hey, love is love. And it doesn't matter what kind of love. It's love. It's okay, right? Anybody ever heard that before in our culture? That's what the culture says. But it's interesting because in this passage, in the, in the Greek in the, that the New Testament was written in, there are three distinct Greek words that are used for love. And in this passage, there is one word that is used over and over again. So what kind of love it is really does matter. And it's the kind of love that God has for us and the kind of love that God wants us to have for others. It's called agapao, uh, from which it, it's the root word is agape love. You've heard of that hopefully before. Agape love. It's the kind of love that God has for us. It means finding joy or, or love in something or someone. But the deeper depth you can see on the screen there is that agape is sacrificial love with whose best interest in mind? The other person's. Yeah. Other's person's best interest in mind. It's not about me. It's not about what I feel. It's not about what I think. It's about what is best for the other person. That's what agape at its root form really means and what it is. And that's what God is saying through Jesus Christ here to us this morning. That we are to love God with the same love he has for us. With that sacrificial love that really is concerned about the other person's best interest, not about my own. And remember, love is not just a feeling. Even more than a feeling, it's a choice. It's a choice. And that's what God is talking about here. God chooses to love us. And we should choose also to love others. Now, here's another question for us. Why should I love God? Why should I love God? And let me give you just a few reasons. First of all, we see that John recorded these words. We have come to know and to believe that the love of God has for us because God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. See, if we really want to know what true love is, we need to know God because God is love. The world talks about love a lot, but without really knowing God, the people of the world cannot truly know what real love is because they don't know God and God is love. So why should I love him? Because he is love. And if I want to be able to love others, and to receive God's love, I need to know him and know his love. And another reason why we should love God is because he demonstrates what true love is. He says, this is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means he satisfied the wrath of God. Because God is holy and pure and loving and compassionate, he demands that those who be with him have those same qualities. Well, you and I are, are failures at that because we're sinners. We do wrong. So Jesus had to pay the price to satisfy God's wrath and pay the penalty for us and for the sins that we have committed. And so Jesus did that. That's how much God loves us, that he would let his own son pay the price to make a relationship with God the Father to be restored to him a possibility. That's how much he loves us. Paul also agreed with John when he said, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news, isn't it? 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us because of his great love. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century philosopher, and he said this, there is a God-shaped void in every human heart. Whether we realize it or not, there is. There's this void, this, there's something missing in our lives that only God and his love can fulfill in our lives. Now, I'd like for you to turn somebody next to you, if you would please, and just say to them, God loves you. Yeah. God loves you. Now, I don't know about you, but that, to me, that's a reassuring understanding of a truth. God loves you. And God loves you and I more than we will ever love anybody else or anything else. God loves us so much that he wants to have us in a close personal relationship with him. And so that's why, another reason why we should love God is because he provides everything that we need. He provides for our every need. Uh, and, and Peter agreed with that when he wrote these words, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through our knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and his own excellence. His own glory and his own excellence. Now, here are some questions I'd like for you to consider since we've looked at Jesus saying the most important thing in life, the most important command to follow is with and all of our heart to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, answer these questions about your own personal life, if you would, please. Is the Lord God the all-consuming passion of my life? And most of these are yes or no questions. Is the Lord the all-consuming passion of my life? Do I have a deep, intense, and abiding affection for my Lord, for my God? Am I loyal to God with an exclusive love? Do I love him more than anyone or anything else? Do I enjoy spending time with the Lord? Do I enjoy time with him? Do I tell him that I love him? And then even more than just telling him I love him, do I actively show the Lord my love? See, this is an indicator. Uh, the answers to those questions, uh, they're good indicators as to where I am at my love level with the Lord God. You see, we make time for what or who is important to us. And our daily pursuits really reflect where our truest heart compassions lie. Now, the reason we should love God is not because we have to, but because we want to. We should do it not to earn more points. If I love God, then, you know, he'll love me a little bit more, right? No. God already loves you and I ultimately anyway. We cannot do anything to convince him to love us more dearly than he does right now. He loves all of us as much as is possible by any being to ever love. So, so loving him back is not just to win points with him or to earn extra love points. It's to show him that we love him. It's, it's kind of like when I hear the words from my wife, will you please take out the garbage? Okay, when I hear that, th those aren't words that I'm always eager to hear. Would you believe that? I'm not always eager to hear. I'm not standing by the garbage just saying, come on, we got to fill this thing up because I want to take it out. That, that is not the way we live in our house. But when my wife asks me to take out the garbage, 
I like doing that, not to earn her love, but to, that's just a small little way to say, I love you, so I'm going to take out the garbage. Plus, I don't like our kitchen stinking, so I take the garbage out. You see, we can't make God love us any more than he does. He loves us completely and fully. Now, God loves us, but we all have to recognize we don't love God perfectly, do we? We don't. We all fail. Now, there are basically three reasons why we oftentimes don't fully love God. The first one is sometimes we really don't know God. We really don't know God. Uh, Jeremiah wrote these words. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things, he says, I delight. I delight. God delights in love, justice and righteousness so anybody who boasts god says shouldn't boast about their wisdom their riches their wealth their achievements but they should boast that they know and understand the lord god how much do we know and understand god do we love what he loves do we hate what he hates and god hates sin of course do we value what god really values do we know where God stands on social issues that we have to deal with or on moral issues that come up in our life? Do we really know what God's view is, what he says? Now here's another question. Can I really deeply love somebody I don't really know? Can I really deeply love somebody that I don't know? Is that even possible? Uh, I don't know about you, but there are times where you know, I'll really admire some movie star, some athlete, some, uh, some you know, person who's in the limelight a lot. I really admire them. Then I find out about something they've either said or done, and, and my estimation of them drops a whole lot because I, I get to know them a little bit. And I find out they're not this perfect image that a lot of times is portrayed. You see, we fail each other. But as the song we just sang a little while ago says, God is always faithful. He will never let us down. He is always faithful and trustworthy. So sometimes we don't fully love God because we don't know him completely. And I want to encourage all of us, take time in God's word to get to know God better. Because this is where God reveals himself. Where we get to know who he truly is and what he's like. So we need to know God's word so that we know him. Uh, another reason why sometimes we don't fully know God is we may know about God or we may know something, but we truly don't believe it. We only partially believe it. Now, doubts are some, something that's normal, even for those of us who are, are, are supposedly people of great faith. We sometimes have doubts, don't we? We all do. And so out of those doubts, we need to sometimes stretch ourselves to, to look and see what God's faithfulness is going to be, even in a tough situation. We need to step out a little bit of our comfort zone. You know, when Jesus had a, there was a, a man that they brought to him, his son, who was uh, possessed of an unclean spirit. And, and this, Jesus was talking to this man, and, and this man said, if you can help, we would really appreciate it. And Jesus said, if I can, well, with faith, 
and when you believe, all things are possible. And this man just looked at him and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Sometimes we're in that same position, aren't we? I believe. I believe that Jesus answers prayer, but help me to see that and understand it and know it even better. Help my unbelief. So sometimes we don't love God fully because we don't know him. We don't really uh, believe what he says. And let's be honest. Sometimes we don't fully love God because we love something or somebody else better. And that's true, isn't it? There are times where we catch ourselves, and if, if we would ask ourselves, do I love God more or do I love this activity more? Do I love God more or do I love this person more? God would lose out. If we examined our hearts the right way we should. Sometimes we love something or someone else more. Jesus, when talking in the Sermon on the Mount, said these words, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then look at what he keys in on. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Can't do it. You either love God or you love money. You can't love both. See, we need to realize that what, uh, what God's word is, says is true. John said this, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I like Adam often uh, makes this comparison too or contrast. We either love the things of the world or the things of the word. We're either following after Christ or we're following the culture. And we have to decide which it's going to be. That's, that's, that's a challenge for many of us. So here's a question for us. Who or what, perhaps right now, do you and I love more than God? Is there something or someone that we love more than we love God? That's something that we need to ask God to help us to change. Now, how can I fully love God? If I'm supposed to, if I'm commanded to, because this is a command that, that he's quoting from the Old Testament that carries over into the New Testament. And he says, if I'm supposed to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, how can I do that? The first way is I need to remember who God is and what he's done for me. Who is he and what's he done? Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and he's alive today, and he did that for you and for me because of his great love for us. We need to recognize that who or what we love will naturally have some control and influence over us and affect us. So that's why we need to make sure that it's God and not something or someone else. We need to yield to God's sovereign will and follow what he says. You know, let me, let me use a marriage illustration here. For instance, if, if two people are married, a husband and wife, and they want, to, they want to get closer to each other, they want to become more intimate with one another, what they need to do is not just say, hey, I know what I need to do to become more intimate, but they need to talk to the other person to find out, what do I need to do to be more intimate with my spouse? That's the way we need to be with God. It's not about what do I, what do I just want from God, but it should be what does God say? I want and I need. See, it's not the things that I think that God says or I want God to say, 
but it's what does God really say about how I can get closer to him. And how do I fully love God? Well, John wrote it this way. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. What he's saying there is, listen, if we love God, if we can keep his commandments and follow him, then Jesus is going to manifest himself to us, make himself more real to us and more understandable to us as we follow him and as we do his word and follow his will. I'm going to do something here that most preachers don't do. And that is I'm going to make you a promise. Make you a promise. And I, I challenge you to, to follow through with this. I can promise you that if you take seriously the teachings, the instructions, the commandments of the Lord God and you follow Jesus and what he says that you should do in your life and you live that out daily in your, your daily walk with God through life, I promise you, you will experience a new and a lasting and an exciting and a thrilling closeness to God that you've not felt or experienced before. I can promise that. It's true. We can all experience that. That's why John said this, little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, we can say we love our spouse all we want to say, but if our, our spouse doesn't see that we're showing that love, it doesn't mean nearly as much. We need to not just say I love you to others and to God, but we really need to show I love you through our words and our deeds and our actions. So that leads us then to point number two. I know number one was long, wasn't it? Okay, but that's, it, it's the key thing. And number one naturally causes an, an outflow into number two. I need to love the Lord God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then I need to love others as myself. Love others as myself. That's why in verse 31, the second is this, Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment other, greater than these two. Now that leads to the question, who is my neighbor? Well, my neighbor is anybody who's nearby. It's those that we encounter. It's whoever God puts in my pathway. That's who my neighbor is. Whoever God puts in my pathway. And we need to have that same genuine love. Again, that word, same word for agape, the word agape is used here again for our neighbors. We need to love them with the, that love that is more concerned about their best interest than it is my best interest. And notice he says, we need to love your neighbor as, as yourself. This whole idea of self-love is, is not uh, something that we need to practice because self-love is the default position of the human heart. It's just built in. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand if you're a parent, okay? How many of you parents ever had to sit your kids down and teach them when they're about two years old to say mine and my a lot? Did anybody ever have a lesson on that? Yeah, you don't have to do that, do you? That selfishness is built in us naturally. That love for self is just built in. That's why God never concentrates on that. In fact, he's always telling us you need to deny yourself. 
and put others first. So he says, love others as you love yourself because we naturally do love ourselves. We do it naturally. Now, how can I do that? Well, first thing is, we need to connect with other Christians, especially, uh, because uh, Jesus wrote the, or said these words to John, who recorded them. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, the world wants to see the church genuinely loving God and genuinely loving one another. The world wants to see that. And that's what God says will be the mark, the, the greatest characteristic of the church is that we love one another. We care for each other. Another way that we can love others is to express compassion and concern for them. That's why uh, John wrote these words. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. That's how much we need to love one another. As I have loved you. You see, we need to care for the poor, for the mistreated, for those who are marginalized, but we need to care for everyone else too. All, all people we should care about and we should love. Doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter how much money they have, doesn't matter what their position or status is, doesn't matter where they live, doesn't matter what culture they're from, we need to love all people like we love God. Another thing that we need to do to really love others is we should desire for them what we want for ourselves. You see, if I love others as I love myself, then I should want for everyone else what I want for me. What I want for me. This whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses, you know, is, is part of our American culture. But then a lot of times we say, oh, I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. I want to go beyond the Joneses. I want the Joneses to look at me and envy me. See, that is not the kind of heart that Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about when I see something the Jones have and I want that, I should want that for my other neighbor too. I should want for, for everyone else what I want for myself that hopefully is what God wants for me. That's the qualifier there. It, it's interesting, as I was preparing this message, God was working with me on this, <laughs> this concept. My wife and I talked uh, just a few weeks ago about getting something that was going to help us do our yard work a lot better and easier and all those kind of things because I got a rebate and I, I thought, well, I got to spend this rebate, can't just let it go to waste. And uh, so, so I, I, need, I need to use that. Uh, but then God brought to mind, wait a minute, okay? You have something that you know, because my, my family was just in town for a wedding last weekend, and you have something that you know that both of your sisters want. Instead of getting something for yourself, why don't you buy something for them so that they will have one of the things that you have too? And so I said, okay, God, I'll do that. And I did it. And, and I purchased something that I, I haven't given to them yet, but I know once they get this, they're going to say, hey, we like that. Thank you. We saw that you had one of those. And we want one of those as well. That's what God wants us to do, to love our neighbors so much that we want for them what we want for ourselves. And we're willing to do that. And then we need to treat others as we want to be treated. Uh, Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, Jesus says, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. What's that called? The golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. Treat others as you want to be treated. 
So we need to deal out justice. We need to avoid slander. We need to be fair in our business dealings with everyone. And <clears throat> for goodness sake, please tip your server. Okay? Yeah, that, I mean, that's just a small demonstration of love. And it is a testimony of, of your compassion and your concern. You know, I, I, I just finally decided, you know what, I don't care if the, the server is lousy, I'm going to give them 20%. It doesn't matter. And if they're really, really good, then I try to go beyond that. That's just me. But I think that's a great way, you know, especially because my one daughter put herself through college as a server, so she helped get that into my brain. But that's just a small practical way that we can do to others as we would want them to do to us. As they, we would want to be treated. And then another way to love others is to pray for our enemies. Love them and pray for those who persecute us. Let, let God take care of them, and so we just pray for them. So what we've learned today then is we need to have two great loves, one for God and one for others. Now let's look at the response of the scribe and what the scribe said. And, and the scribe said to him, you're right, teacher, you, you, you have said that God is one, there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than offering burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You see, his answer showed Jesus, not just that he was willing to obey the law because he knew he should, but because his heart was right with God. And what we're really talking about, this is all about where is my heart? Not do I love God and love others because I have to, but do I love God and love others because God loves me so much and he has done so much for me that I want to love him and then I want to obey him by loving others in return. Do I really want to do that, to show him where my heart is? See, it's all about motives. I don't know about you, but as a parent, I always love when my children do something out of love for me rather than because I have told them to do it or asked them to do it. Isn't that much better? It's that same way with God. He wants to see where our heart is. Where are our deepest desires? Is my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength all toward God? Or is it toward my own selfishness? He said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from where God reigns and God rules. This morning we have a lot of folks here who already are in God's kingdom. But there might be some here who are not far from God's kingdom. Not far. Let me look at, show you some verses that we look at from Isaiah. Isaiah was writing these words, he says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Now listen to this. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. He was writing to these people about their exile and how they knew what God wanted and they didn't do it. And they had all these huge regrets. Coop was one of the uh, interesting guys that I've met in my life. 
just a very outgoing, uh, amazing man. He was a very uh, uh, wealthy businessman and came to know him and his wife uh, as they, they were friends with one of, the, one of our uh, friends and a couple friends in church. And so we got to hang out with them, get to know them a little bit. But Coop was a was, was a neat guy, just fun to talk to. One day, uh, the talk led to his relationship with God. And I just looked at him and said, well, have you ever made a commitment to Christ? Because he grew up in, in attending church. And he said, well, no, I don't, don't think I've ever done anything like that. And so we talked about it, what he needed to do to have that personal relationship with Jesus. And I said, so what do you think? And he said, well, I'll, I'll pray about that. I'll think about that. And I said, well, that's good. Well, then it was about a month went by. We didn't see him for a while. And then uh, we heard that they went on vacation. And, and they went overseas to Europe. And while he and his wife were dancing on the dance floor, he just collapsed with a heart attack. And he died in Germany. And it, it really bothers me because, you know, to this day, I still don't know. Did, did Coop really come to know Jesus? Or did he just put off that decision? Did his family have a lot of regrets that they didn't take more time for Christ? John says, this is eternal life that they would know you. These are the words of Jesus. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You see, we can have a personal relationship with God because of who Jesus is and what he's done. If you want that personal relationship this morning, admit your sin and your need for your Savior. Realize you've done wrong. Maybe you haven't loved God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of us here are in that boat. We need to admit that and ask God for forgiveness. Then we need to, to believe that Jesus is the one sent from God. Believe that he died on the cross, that he rose again, that he's alive today, and he's coming back someday. We need to believe in him and fully trust in him. And then we need to commit our life to him by trusting in God, surrendering our whole life to him, and letting him be the one in charge of our lives. And to love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, and then love others as we love ourselves. This morning... We want to encourage you, make the commitment, please, to love God above everyone and everything else. And then to love others as you love yourself. Isn't it amazing that the creator, redeemer, sustainer, the Lord God loves us so much that he is willing to accompany us and to guide us along life's pathway. And he even gives us the Holy Spirit to, to dwell within us, to help us. So let God love you and love him. And let the Holy Spirit help you to love him more than you even love him this morning. I want to close out with this scripture and then a prayer. Beloved, let us love one another. In fact, let's read this together if you would please. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent us his son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, 
we ought to love one another. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us. You love us so very, very much. And, and Lord, we don't even really, uh, I don't believe, have the capacity to fully comprehend how much you do love us. But thank you that you do. Help us to love you that same way. Give us that strength and ability through your Holy Spirit to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then may we love others as ourselves. May we always have your best interest at heart and others' best interest at heart and not just our own. Lord God, give us strength, give us the ability to do this so that we can honor you, so that we can praise you, so that you receive glory and praise and majesty through our lives, whether it's what we think or what we say or what we do. May we just honor you and love you. Thank you for the privilege of being loved by you and being known by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.